Welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And this is a show where we tell stories of ordinary people. They became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. And one of our favorite types of stories to tell and people to talk to are... A bunch of guys, four guys in this case, that uh, decide to start a company on a whim and end up being on Shark Tank and making a multi-million dollar company. So <laughs> that's the story we're going to tell you today. We have Danny of the Nardo Brother fame, <laughs> if you will, on the show today. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Danny is one of four dudes, four brothers that started Nardo's Natural. That's nardosnatural.com back in 2009. And after a few years of working on the business, the guys actually ended up pitching their business on Shark Tank and getting a deal from Barbara. And we're going to talk through that story today. But they bootstrapped their business until then and ended up getting to a point where they're selling in 50 states. They've been named top entrepreneurs under 30 on Forbes. They've been on Good Morning in America over seven times in just two years, and they've actually been a top-selling product on Good Morning America, which is actually a huge thing to say because uh, just in a few hours, you can generate a quarter of a million dollars in sales there, as we just learned. And overall, these guys are awesome. What I love about your story, and Danny has actually uh, been kind enough to speak to my class that I teach, the entrepreneurship class, a couple of times and tell his story. What I love about this story is you guys always kind of go by your own beat and always do your own thing. And I think that's incredibly important because so many people try to look for the right formula, the right way to do something. And I think you guys have always done things your own way. But I want to hear, kind of go all the way back to the beginning. You know, one of the stories that you told me is how you got your very first deal with a hotel selling the skincare product. So get to that story. But if you can even back up a little bit more, how the heck do four dudes decide to start a skincare product and what led you guys to, to get there? <laughs> yeah, it's not normal, right? I mean, four guys <laughs> playing around with their mom's makeup. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. We were just graduated um, college. That was the first thing. Our, our parents growing up said, you got to get college degrees. You get, you know, that, that standard. You go get a degree, you get a job, you go nine to five. That word entrepreneur really didn't exist in our vocabulary. And uh, it's not quite the word it is today in everybody's vocabulary. Uh, it's pretty popular now. But um, so that's what we were doing. We graduated college and then we all looked at each other and weren't sure what direction to go after that, as many college graduates uh, feel. You know, I, I had a job at a college for about eight to 10 months. And every day I was staring at the clock at the wall, 445. It's quarter five. I got 15 minutes to go and I'm out of here, baby. Got to fight a little rush hour to get home and, and that's it. And after all these months of just counting down the clock on the wall, I just analyzed and said, is this what I want to do every day? Do I really want to just get through the day to be the weekend warrior and no. So I, and it was pretty cool because I was, um, I graduated college early. I was a little bit, bit of a dork. Um, but I also did it because, you know, we had four boys and my parents helped support us with college and such. So, uh, in return, I wanted to help save on tuition. So my goal was to graduate early. And, uh, in return, I got a really nice job out of college. I was given a, uh, man, I'm a 22 year old punk at the time, or maybe even 21. I was given a corporate Jaguar, a place to live, a company gas card. I mean, it was unreal. I had seven employees underneath me. It was um, my first real position and first like real uh, piece of power, I guess I'd say. You know, I'd say, uh, and it was really interesting to have that and to throw it all away. <laughs> but, what was that job? Uh, so I was actually a marketing manager for an industrial um, for industrial uh, like real estate. So I'd help 
sell industrial real estate space to those that want to come in and uh, I got my own little golf cart or own the quarry and such. It was interesting. Out of a hard hat, wow. it was neat. Why did they give a twenty-one-year-old uh, the responsibility of having seven people report under you? Like, what what was special about you that they decided to do that? You know, it all dated back to the college days when my buddies were staying up late the night before and drinking, and I was the dork fifteen minutes early to class. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> attribute it to. It, it really became. I was just. I really enjoyed school. Um, I, I enjoyed going. I, I was that person that stayed after and spoke with my professors and you know had their cell phone numbers because I ended up being friends with them and wanting to just learn more. And through that, you start to leverage contacts. You start to meet people because, hey, this kid is eager and willing to learn, and he's got what it takes to make it in this world. So some little line like that from a you know renowned professor to someone who was hiring at a, a marketing company, boom, you get the job. And and it was really neat, and I performed well. I enjoyed the job, but I just mentioned I stared at the clock every day and said, "Is this what I want to do?" And I handed over the keys to that fancy Jaguar and that gas card and that apartment they gave me to live in, and I walked away from it. I walked away to a 1,100 square foot condo that was my parents. They were snowbirds. Um, it was down here in sunny Florida, and my three brothers and I, the four of us shared an 1100 square foot condo i think i slept on the couch and um lived off peanut butter and jelly for about two years after that so that's when we came up with the idea that you know initially right out of the gate let's do something let's work for ourselves so my oldest brother who studied health and nutrition in school um imported coconut oil from the philippines mind you this was you know over 10 12 years ago Coconut oil wasn't quite the buzzword it is now. So when I do tell a lot of people this story, they shake their heads, yeah, coconut oil. But 10 to 12 years ago, no one knew what it was. So it was um, a unique thing that we had uh, in our hands. And we, by in our hands, we literally brought it into our hands, molded it, and put it into these jars. We had no money. My brother sold his car for $6,000. He drew, uh, drew the short straw. <laughs> and that was our capital. And uh, I'm very grateful that my parents gave us that condo to stay at while they were away you know in in pennsylvania back home in pennsylvania because they were snowbirds of course we tell everybody we own the place acted like we were big shots <laughs> until our mom and dad came and kicked us out <laughs> i mean we were really just scraping to get by and we started bottling some of this coconut oil we were athletes growing up everybody played their sports and such and we had those gatorade jugs we put it on the counter on the stovetop and we filled the coconut oil in the counter and um just you know poured it out like we're drinking gatorade out of a, after a, a game and we poured it in these little jars, mason jars, and we couldn't even afford real stickers. So I had to like hand cut stickers and put them on the jar. It was just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was not appealing for you know a woman's demographic. You know the women out there that wanted to buy an elegant skincare line. I mean, it looked <laughs> like uh, a jar of mud. It wasn't really attractive, and a, and a crooked label and some scotch tape holding it together i mean it couldn't get any more juvenile we didn't go to school for business i went to school for marketing one went to school for elementary education one health and nutrition and the other one finance so again we didn't know what it was like to be a business owner we didn't know you know the work i don't even think i could spell entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> so we had to learn as we go and that's why i really liked your intro about how you, you bring people on the show that had to figure it out there was no silver spoon my uh, father's a police officer my mother's a nurse very average background, very average family, and we took this jar into this hotel across the street because my brother sold his car. We didn't have a car. We couldn't go very far. So we walked across the street, and, uh, of course, they turned us away. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, see you later. 
So it took about two weeks. We became really close with the janitorial staff and everybody uh, on the like on the inside, on the lower level, um, because that lower level was the door, the back door to get up into the spa. So once we were friendly with all the janitorial staff and the security guards, they let us in. And we got up through the back door. And of course, I go up through the door and I have like a little suit and tie on. And I'm a firm believer in luck. The harder I work, the more of it I have. And we just so happened to get lucky that day. The, the skincare, the, the spa that was in this hotel was looking for a local family business to bring on because they had these billion dollar companies that they were representing, but they were looking for a local family business. And we just so happened to sneak through the back door that day and meet them. And we said, hey, we're a local family business. We've got a manufacturing facility down the road, our kitchen. We didn't tell them that. <laughs> and uh, we've got some incredible products. I'll have a sales rep drop off some stuff tomorrow if you're interested. My brother, the sales rep. So we just, you know, a little white lie, like we're a little bit bigger than maybe we were. But, uh, you know, we whipped up a few jars in our kitchen and they were interested. Hmm. And hmm. I think about eight months later, we received a note. A letter, a handwritten letter from the spa director of the hotel. This is a AAA Four Diamond Resort, a world-renowned hotel. And that letter said, congratulations, you're the number one selling product in the hotel. It was just, wow. I mean, I still have this letter to this day because this was, uh, it was quite a feat. I mean, I'll never forget our first purchase order. I had, uh, um, I think it was like $150. We thought we made it. You know, we were on top of the world. And we had to go home and whip up a few jars but it just grew and grew. And what happened was because we had this one location, we got to know everybody at the hotel. I mean, as I mentioned, we knew everybody in the janitorial staff and security. But now we got to know the estheticians, the massage therapists, the front desk, the concierge. And everybody started to know these Nardo brothers. And this, and obviously the truth kind of came out and they're whipping it up in this local family business. But it became um, quite a little tale, a story that people enjoyed hearing. So these massage therapists were giving massages or estheticians were giving facials and they're saying, hey, these Nardo brothers, the local boys, they're four brothers, they're family business, they're making products out of their home and people loved it. So they wanted to support us and purchase and in turn came to that, um, you know, that number one selling product in the hotel, that little letter we received. And it was a pivotal moment for us because we took that letter and we said, here we go. Now we have something on our resume. Let's take it to the next hotel right down the road and tell them. Hey, we've got something somebody wants. You're going to want it too. Now, that's that's an awesome story. And I love how you guys pushed through until you got to somebody there. But I'm curious. Uh, one question is, number one selling product for this single, at least first location that you were in, what does that mean in terms of volume or in terms of revenue for you when you're number one product being sold at this spa? Yeah, so obviously we're not talking several thousand or hundreds of thousands of units because it's one location. But it was... Enough for four brothers to keep busy. Now, again, it didn't mean that we were driving Lamborghinis just yet. We didn't even have a car just yet. <laughs> so still the peanut butter and jelly type thing. I mean, it was, um, you know, I was still sleeping on the couch. I think I had a, a, a you know, a comfortable blanket and a pillow. <laughs> but um, it was enough for us to keep making, keep manufacturing, keep producing. And that's all that mattered at that point. When I see people now, how we really sold our first actual jar, we went to a farmer's market, and I saw people there at the end of the farmer's market counting their cash and how much they made that day. And for us, we didn't count how much we made that day. We were there to learn and understand what the audience wanted, what that target demographic wanted. Was the bottle okay? Was it the right color? Did it smell good? And we didn't care about counting the cash. 
So that's where we gained a little bit. I say market research. I mean, it was a little family farmer's market, but that's where we did gain some market research to take it to that hotel about two weeks later. <laughs> so we didn't get a ton of research, but I think about it all the time because I still visit that farmer's market with my wife from time to time to pick up produce. And we see those same vendors there counting their cash to see how much they made that day. And they're in that same spot 10, 12 years later. Wow. So wow. It, it just makes you think about it you know, early on that it wasn't about how much money we recoup um, from that first hotel. And maybe we were only doing about a thousand jars or something. like It wasn't, but it was more just getting that, that leverage to move to that next location and pounce. Yeah, that's, I think that's incredibly important. And, you know, two things that I want to point out. One, uh, you you saw an opportunity, it looks like, to do that market research, that customer discovery through the farmer's market, but you didn't need to count the cash because you didn't see that as your ultimate distribution channel. You weren't interested in selling one-offs directly to consumers at farmer's markets, which is a grind. I mean, all businesses grind, but you can decide what kind of grind you want to put yourself through. And ultimately, uh, it sounds like you realize that there might be more opportunity to set, to have a little bit of scale by selling to uh, hotels, and, and you went through that customer acquisition channel. No one told you what to do or no one tells anybody how to run their business. You can make that decision individually yourself. But also the importance of having that first win, you know, getting that first sale, getting that letter. Yeah, you guys weren't making a ton of money at the time, but that's, it sounds to me like that's what kept you going and pushing through. Because if you have no wins at all and it's completely an uphill battle, it'll always be an uphill battle. But if there's no wins at all, you're probably going to give up. But it sounds like here, because of your perseverance, you guys pushed through and, and got that validation you needed to get to the next level. You're absolutely right. And um, you know, having the pleasure to get to speak to people like Mark Cuban and everybody from the panel of Shark Tank, he says something I always think about. Uh, there's so many businesses that can succeed in this world, and unfortunately, so many give up too soon. And that's the truth. You, you've got to continue to just push down those barriers, break down that brick wall. We're going to find a way to pick the lock and get through that door, and that's something we've always lived by. Speaking of you know, giving up too soon and people often doing that because they run out of time, they don't see the growth that they want to see. You know, you guys, for a couple of years, the sales were, the uptick was pretty slow. I read one article that said something about uh, maybe it was like $30,000 in the first two years before you got into Shark Tank. Is that number correct? And, and you know, two years of doing that, what made you keep going then? Like where, what made you see the opportunity in this particular product that you wanted to keep pushing and then ultimately ended up uh, submitting that video to, to Shark Tank producers? Yeah, think about that. $30,000 in two years. Now, divide that by what your costs are and divide that by four brothers. I mean, just think about the pennies that you're splitting at the end of the day after all of the, uh, <laughs> that $6,000 startup I told you that uh, my brother sold his car, I was furious. He printed business cards and put the wrong area code on the phone number. I was so <laughs> mad because we didn't have enough money to produce more. It's like little things like that just you think about all the time when you look back and uh, you get a chuckle over it, but how the severity of it all because you just didn't have much to, to lean on. Um, but again, we... We always thought big picture, you know, so I I wasn't focused on the $30,000 because I knew, you know, once we were in the tank, I knew the sharks would laugh at something like that. But I just wanted them to see the, the drive and the, the vision that we had for the long term. Um, I've had a lot of nice relationships with some success, successful entrepreneurs. And I've also just met people who've made some quick cash overnight, but they don't have a plan. And, and it's great that you've made some quick cash, but that's 
going to run out. You have to have something that's tangible. It's going to want to come back. And that's something my dad said to us. He said, hey, somebody's going to buy that bottle of skincare, and guess what? It's going to run out, and someone else is going to try and get that sale from them. It's up to you to get them to buy that bottle again. Hmm. So that's something we always think about is the long term with our business and continuing to keep these customer relationships, that loyalty, that fan base so that they are coming back so that we have them around for the long haul. Yeah, that's incredibly important. Obviously, you know, you have to care about the product in order to get those repeat customers and the word of mouth growth. But for you guys, was the plan then, I mean, the big picture, I guess, is uh, this is a quality product. The space is growing. Maybe there was some indication that coconut oil and this ty- these types of products were going to grow in popularity. But was the plan to just continue to grow by selling to other hotels and distributing that way? Or, you know, what was your big picture plan for those two years? And then how did that ultimately result in you getting on Shark Tank? So initially, yes, that was the plan. And um, and even going on the Shark Tank, that that was the plan. Uh, you know, when we sold at that first hotel, we built a little website um, with some information about the products. And I'll never forget one day, ding, you've got a sale in Oklahoma. And I, my brothers, we all looked at each other like, you know anybody in Oklahoma? I don't know anybody in Oklahoma. Like, we called the lady up. I'm like, ma'am, how do you know about us? what do you want with our product? You know, it's like, we're like asking her why she wanted it. And she goes, Oh, I stayed at this lovely hotel, the Don Cesar on St. Pete beach in Florida. And they, and I loved your product and I, I used it up and um, I brought it on the plane with me and I wanted some more I'm like, Whoa. Okay, cool. <laughs> we went, we made new labels like the next week and made our website real bold on the label. Like go to nardosnatural.com. You want more products. <laughs> you know, it's like, an obvious thing it's but the light bulb went off in our head because obviously there's a lot of moving parts at the time and you'd think like yeah duh you dummies of course get them to go to your website but again that's a lot easier said than done 12 years ago you're not always thinking that you also didn't have the accessibility to build your own website like you do now i mean you you can fire up a website in 24 hours at this day and age so that's where we then started to focus on direct consumer you know you've got your b2b and now okay We've seen these spider webs spiral all across the country because they stay at these resorts. They're flying back home from vacation. They're telling their friends. They're telling their family members. And now they're starting to shop online. Hey, we're getting some traction here. And not to mention the margins are fantastic because there's no middleman anymore with the wholesaler. How did now this Shark Tank opportunity come about? Because I'm sure it felt like somewhat of a fluke at the time, but... Who, which one of the brothers found out about it and uh, sort of what was your process there? Because, I mean, I already heard this story and I know it, but this is a, a great example of how you guys were able to sort of do your own thing and put your own spin on things. Yeah, I want to I hear about what was in that submission video that got you guys on. Because a skincare product, I feel like a dime a dozen skincare products even at that time. So how did you guys get on? You're absolutely right. In the, the Washington Post did a really cool story about us um, because of the uniqueness about just trying to get on the show. Um, <laughs> as you mentioned... Skincare companies are a dime a dozen. There are a lot of them. What was going to make us unique? What was going to make us think outside the box to just get on the program? But to take that back a second, yeah, my brother, this was season two at the time, and my brother comes up to us, my youngest brother, KJ, and he's like, guys, you got to check out this show, Shark Tank. It's really neat. So we all are like, uh, I don't know what swimming has to do with skincare. Like, <laughs> it makes no <laughs> sense. I'd never heard of the show. I had no idea what he was talking about. And it's not quite the, uh, the, you know, it's very popular now, as you know, but it wasn't quite as popular as it was back then. So anyway, 
we started watching YouTube videos. I'll tell you what, we were up all night long just watching video after video after video of season one, some of season two. It was so exciting. And once we learned what it was all about, we knew that this could be something that'd be great for us because we weren't even necessarily focused on the exposure. And I think that's what's diluted the show a little bit is people go on there for the exposure and the celebrity aspect. We really needed some help. And we were honest and willing to admit that we needed some help. So we thought a shark could really truly help us and just guide us in the right direction because we had no problem admitting that we didn't go to Wharton. We didn't go to schools where we're going to learn to, you know, build our portfolio and sell this baby in a few years. No, it was all make it, figure it out as you go. So the first step was just simply submitting an email. And uh, again, this was a long time ago when Shark Tank was in season two. So I think it was like sharktank at gmail.com. I mean, it, <laughs> it couldn't have been any more this like on the nose. So we wrote an email and we just simply wrote, believe it or not, these brothers make the world's best skincare. And we're all sitting in a tree wearing matching denim outfits of like these cheesy smiles. <laughs> and I kid you not, about 15 minutes later, we get a call from a producer that quickly. And she's just like, which one of the brothers am I talking to? I'm like, what? <laughs> it was so cheesy. We were kind of horsing around. And I tossed the phone in the air to my older brother, Kyle. And he's the one who sold his car. And um, I'm like, Kyle. She just said we got five minutes to pitch our company to her. Go. And he starts chatting with this girl. They're on the phone about 45 minutes until he's like, all right, sweetheart, I got to go. <laughs> he hangs up on her. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just, you know, using his uh, his suave mentality. You know, he was just very smooth. And he just um, was the, just calm and cool, collected, and talked about our skincare products and how we started. And kind of similar to the story I just told you guys. And she thought it was so fascinating you know, he mentioned he was single a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew your you knew your brother Kyle was the the go to uh, lady charmer. Yeah, he's the ladies man. He's the charmer. I was like sweating and like, oh my gosh, a, a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, it just worked out really well. And she was a sweetheart, actually a dear friend till this day. And uh, we always kid about the story because I'll just never forget answering the phone. She goes, "Which one of the brothers am I talking to?" <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so. Um, it was just like March Madness. You know, it was like a, a tournament with brackets. And we thought, wow, we just, uh, I think we did pretty well there. <laughs> we get a follow up email. Congratulations, 30,000 applicants be- between you and the finish line. <laughs> We're like, oh boy. So there was a long way to go. And it took several months. But some of the bigger, uh, more memorable moments during that process were, um, you know, this, we did uh, questionnaires and, and forms. And, and then all of a sudden the video submission came around. And the video submission is almost like a Mad Libs. Mad Libs, if uh, everyone's familiar out there, you know, you fill in the words to, to make these ridiculous sentences. So it was, um, you know, hi, my name is blank. I'm willing to give up blank for blank. You know, my product is so revolutionary because blank. I mean, it couldn't be any more boring. And, and I went on YouTube as well to look up other submission videos. And everybody was so robotic and just doing the same thing. This is so innovative. This is going to change the world. This is going to revolutionize, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, what what can make us different? What can make us stand out? So we filled in all the blanks, and my brothers are working on their lines, and it was, you know, how our skincare is healthy and derived from nature, family business. So they're working on their lines, and I'm setting up the camera on the other side of the room. My one brother moves my brother. He physically moves him on the other side. He goes, dude, my smile looks better. Like, let me stand here. And my other brother is holding a dumbbell, and he's pumping iron, trying to make his muscles look bigger on the camera. 
And all the while, I'm filming this whole thing. I'm just filming it all. We sent that video in, didn't even submit any dialogue that they requested. Like, totally broke the rules. Didn't even care. And about a month and a half later, we had a limo show up. They flew my family out, my mom and dad. They said, this is going to be the perfect family episode. And that goes back to that little Thomas Jefferson quote. They, we got lucky. They were looking for a family business to bring on the show. I mean, the timing was perfect. And I tell people, I'm not afraid to admit we got a little lucky in this world. But the only way you're going to get lucky is if you get off your rear end. You've got to get up. I, people come to me all the time with this invention idea, this widget they've come up with. Well, do something with it. Do something. You can't just sit back and think about it. You've got to get off your butt. And that's what we did. And that's what put us in that position to be fortunate. Oh, God. You know, this is the third time I'm hearing this story, but I love it every single time. It's so hilarious because a lot of people, they, they want to follow the rules or they think there are certain ways of doing things. But as cliche as it sounds, you got to do your own thing. And that's how you guys stood out. Four brothers doing your own thing. Uh, and clearly they the producers thought in this case that it would make for at the very least it would make for a fun episode uh, and obviously you guys were were serious about your business as well and and that just why you ended up getting the deal also what I love about this story is so many people when they're starting businesses with their partners they're so worried about oh I want to I want to get to do this and I want to be the face of the company or I want to have all the important conversations and just arguing over the nitty-gritty but in this case you kind of knew what to do right away when that woman called my brother's a charmer he has that strength if we're going to have any chances of converting this to the next step in the process i gotta throw him the phone i mean that's a split second decision but even being willing to give up that responsibility to your brother is part of why you kind of made it to the next step but talk about now the actual day of the pitch uh or even practicing for the pitch and then delivering it and getting the deal from from ultimately barbara how did that go out yeah, uh, I mean, and just a real quick recap on that. It was really neat that we had individual skill sets that really worked on our behalf. I, as I mentioned, I did marketing. My one brother, the charmer, he's the president of the company. He knows how to communicate and just interact with others in the way that not many can. He's not afraid to hammer out margins and tell somebody like it is. And that's why it's, it's very important to be vocal in that position and kind of be the bull. Uh, and then we've got the other brother running finance. And then again, the other one doing the health and nutrition, actually making the concoctions. So we had like the, these these four you know heads are better than one. Everybody had their own little skill set, which was perfect. So we you know hopped a plane to LAX to my dream in a cardigan, and we uh, we just started going to the hotel room. And man, we walked up and down the hallways. All these other people going on the show and preparing. There, one guy had cardboard cutouts of all the sharks, and he's talking to them preparing. <laughs> This other dude is just going over lines with his wife and like they're like arguing with each other like, no, 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 don't mention that. Don't. My brothers and I are sipping on Bud Lights by the pool, just hanging out with my mom and dad, like enjoying a free vacation because we had no idea if I really, really thought nothing was going to happen. The only thing that we just wanted to make very sure of is that we weren't that joke episode. We wanted to show that we knew what we were doing. We knew what we were talking about. But most importantly, we were going to be ourselves. And being ourselves is just going to be having fun, kicking back, and then when push came to shove, in that moment, that critical moment, that split-second decision, we knew it's just kind of our – it just comes natural to us. And in the tank, when, when, when it started, it was intense, but it was a little bit easier for us, I like to say, because we had four brothers up there. So if you were 
a little pinned against the wall, you just look over your brother and he takes the slack and then he takes the pressure off. So we really did a nice job balancing the communication off each other. But it was very intense. They do break you down. They do go through a lot of emotions. Um, and they're not afraid to tell like it is and, and really hammer you into the ground. But if you can persevere, you can push through. And that's why Barbara invested. And she tells us all the time. She goes, I believe in you guys. Not the skincare, not the product. She goes, I didn't care what it was. I knew you guys would be successful because of who you are. And that meant so much to my mom and dad. And I was just like, it was just a really neat to see it on my dad's face, just how proud he was. And that made me so proud. And uh, I think that's what it was all about at the end of the day. You know, we weren't brothers fighting over shares and fighting over how much we make. It was just about having a good time. And um, we knew that the riches would come if we just kept working, not fighting. Don't fight over the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It'll come to everybody and we'll all get our share. That's awesome. A lot of people worry about, again, doing the right things or, or following a certain formula and you guys did your own thing. I'm curious, how long was the actual pitch, uh, the recording session with the Sharks? Yeah, America sees about 15 minutes of it. And we were in the tank for two hours straight. No stops, no redos, no do-overs, no, uh, oh, I messed up. Just boom, boom. You are just getting drilled questions just left and right. And uh, obviously they have the the rights to edit it in any direction they want. So, you know, there's things that can take place that you said two hours ago and they put there in that direction. But hey, we went into it knowing that it's television, it's entertainment. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It was so exciting, other than my wedding day, of course. My wife's staring at me right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just it was just such a cool, unique experience and something I'll never forget and uh, something I'm grateful for. But I knew we had to strike as well. So I like to make this sound like it's fun. We have a good time. We're knuckleheads. But we also knew we had to strike while the iron was hot. We had to make our move. This was our chance. And we were not going home without Barbara's business card. So you did end up getting a deal with Barbara Corcoran. And many many people know this. Some don't that the deal that's actually negotiated there. It's not guaranteed that it's going to happen, whether they air it or not, and oftentimes even the deal terms change. I read somewhere, it, it seems like she offered, uh, or you guys offered 12% for $75,000. I read somewhere that later on, Barbara negotiated 50% of the company for $75,000. Tell me if that number is right or close to right, and I'm curious, you know, we don't really know what happens afterwards. They show some montage sometimes of, you know, Barbara, whoever on a Skype call with you, but... If she did get a large percentage of the company, what is the real value that that she brought to the company? I mean, what does the the shark actually do uh, practically on the business that actually warrants them being almost a co-founder? I mean, that is more than a co-founder level ownership. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things and uh, worked out after the program with a lot of businesses. Um, those I can't disclose. But I will say Barbara was very generous, if that's a hint, in any direction. Um, but she was very – because she understood that four brothers splitting up 50%. She goes, that means you guys are going to work very hard to make a little money, and you're going to stop working hard because you're making a little money. So she was very tactical. She was very tactical. She said, I'd rather you guys make some money. Get that fire because then you're going to be hungry to make more money, and you're going to make me more money. It's, it's a really clever move because – you know, you can have a ton of nothing, but wouldn't you rather have a little bit of a lot, you know, something else that's making a lot of money? So it's, and you've heard that before, but it's so true. So she also knew we were heading in the right direction. We did need her guidance in a sense, but more from a business standpoint, helping out with our books and our P&Ls and things like that. But 
when it came to us knocking down doors and, and you know, meeting janitorial staff and, and kicking our way in, do, she was like, do your thing. You do you. <laughs> so we did that. But I really did ask her for her Rolodex or as uh, millennials now know it as, a, I guess, a cell phone contacts list. Um, you know, it's I, I wanted to know who she knew that could help us out. And again, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you know, the first thing we did was hop on Good Morning America. And I had a two hour interview with them to go through that process. It was uh, it was a little stressful, but I enjoyed it because uh, my brothers were this was my moment where they said, no, no, no. We know you can do the public speaking and uh, we think you're good at it. So it gave me a little confidence that I needed. And it was really neat that they uh, believed in me. So I passed the interview process, and you know, as you mentioned before, multiple, several appearances on uh, Good Morning America, and you know, you're driving some hard margins those days. Was that through a uh, Barbara connection, or how did that come about? Barbara's actually fantastic friends with Tori Johnson, and uh, Tori and I we're all great friends now. But she's on behalf of uh, Good Morning America. She has her own uh, segment on there, and uh, it's just been it's been incredible. So now, nine, ten years later, how's your relationship with the Sharks with Barbara? You guys still check in? She's still an advisor. Yeah, yeah. So actually, we uh, we started about seven six thirty this evening. Um, I sent her an email about six twenty five. She's the last email I sent out today, actually. So I just was communicating with her right before we hopped on this call, uh, requesting some video content for a new video that we're launching. So she'll be doing a couple of videos for us tomorrow. Wow, that's really that's really awesome to hear. Uh, well, I mean, I love the story because you know you guys obviously persevered and Shark Tank worked. You guys got more exposure. You were able to continue doing your own thing, but also leverage it to get these opportunities to be on Good Morning America, crush these sales, and, and continue on this path. So uh, I guess all these years later now, can you just talk through really quickly how the focus of the business has changed? You know, are you guys primarily doing the direct to consumer sales? Are you selling through distributors? What's kind of the the focus now for the brothers, and how big is the team? So the team's grown. Um, we have now, you know, a lot of <laughs> we're not in the kitchen anymore. We've got chemical <laughs> engineers working with us, uh, chemists, obviously. You know, a lot of people on the floor doing different things in terms of manufacturing. And we've got 1099 sales reps. That's really the easiest way to go about things, keeping the payroll lower in the sense for that aspect. But, uh, you know, our our goal, we, we were, I don't want to say silent, but we were laying low for a few years because we hadn't a, a goal to make this like a turnkey automated type thing that took a lot less overhead. And now it's like a well-oiled self-run machine. It's unbelievable that, you know, you're processing sales and doing things and, I wake up in the morning and things are all done and it's just all automated at this point. So that was, uh, it was a lot of work to, to develop that. But now that we're at that point, it's made our lives a little bit easier so we can start to focus on other things and bigger picture items. Now, these sales reps, they're selling to distributors effectively. And is that the biggest distribution challenge right now? Or do you sell a lot on the website still, Amazon and the like? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're certainly hitting everything from all angles, really diversified in that sense. But our biggest means of revenue right now is actually private label. So one in four products you're purchasing today are private labeled. Um, you know, you're getting Chips Ahoy cookie or you're getting that generic brand cookie. They're just private labeling it, putting a different name on it and this and that. And, um, with the way the world is moving right now, everybody wants to get rich on Amazon. So a lot of people are coming to us and, and they want to sell a unique product um, or they want to sell one of our products with their name on it. 
So we do a lot of different things, whether it's private labeling, changing the packaging and things like that, or we do contract manufacturing and they'll come to us and say, hey, I need this exotic ingredient infused into this formula. And uh, we do a lot of that stuff now. And it's really exciting because you're, you're launching a new company every day. You're, you're assisting these, these people to get out of the gate. So it's, it's taking me back to my roots where we started because I'm helping them now. We're a soup to nuts company where we developed the logo the branding, the color scheme. I mean, we're doing your renderings, your photography, and we're making the product. You're just simply writing the check. So it's really neat because I get to launch a company. I think we launched about 250 brands last year alone. Wow, that's huge. Danny, I I have, uh, to close out the episode, I'm curious... What would you say to uh, you know a young entrepreneur? It doesn't matter how old they are, but somebody's starting their first business and they can't decide what business to start, or they don't know if it's the right one. You know, you guys started a company, four dudes starting a, a like we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, a skincare company, although unique with the coconut oil. That was the first product that you worked with. It was still not something that you would expect four guys to start. So, you know, what would you say to that person who's just can't decide what business to start, but they really want to be an entrepreneur. They want to work for themselves like you did or like you have been able to for yourself. How do they decide what to work on? How do they go about thinking through that? You know, it's something I touched a little bit on earlier, but it's it's all about, I, I say put the widget aside. I mean, unless you're a techie in Silicon Valley and you need this app to develop something, but I'm a little bit old fashioned. We're a product. You know, we're, we're not a technology based type thing. So for us, it was just the passion. It, it wasn't about the bottle in the beginning. It was about the the, the friendship and the, the love with my brothers and being together and doing something. That made this process easier. Certainly wasn't easy, but it made it easier. So I always tell people, if you truly love this, this is really what you want to do. Because I think that the misconception is everybody gets rich doing this or they hear these really cool stories. But if you're doing it for that reason, you're not going to make it. You're really not. You really have to love what you're doing. And I probably sound cliche and cheesy, but I, I swear on it. I truly believe on it. And um, the person has to ask themselves, do I want to be doing this? Do I want to make no money for the next maybe two to three years and I'll still be okay? I'll still be happy because if you can do that, you can make it. I love that. I mean, it sounds like the the product or the business idea is not as important as uh, creating something of your own with people that you really love working with. And for you, that's what uh, gave you the motivation. And also, I think a big takeaway for me from this episode is you just mentioned it, right? With a widget or put the app aside. Business is all about, well, first of all, business is hard. So just because you want to be an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're going to get rich. But more importantly, business is about the relationship. It's about perseverance. It's about continuing to pursue things even when they're hard, figuring out how to get out of difficult situations, moving the boulder up the hill and inching along further and further, and hopefully staying true to yourself and and being as unique as possible. But I I hope that whoever's listening in the audience remembers that if you're going into business and you think you're just going to sit behind a computer sending emails or, you know, collecting money through uh, Etsy or Amazon, yeah, that might happen. Yes, some people get rich from that. But business ultimately is more about relationships and bringing value to your customer, whoever that might be. So, think about it. Is that something that you want to do with your life? And if you do, you definitely have to try it for yourself. Danny Mastronardo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Nardo's Natural, check out their company. Their products are awesome. These brothers are awesome. And, uh, you know, feel free to send us some free samples our way if you guys want. (laughs) Yeah, my my skin is feeling a little uh, dry right now, so I'd love some moisturizer. Thank you for having me. Everybody out there listening, I really appreciate you listening to our story. And uh, hey, 
January 20th, Sunday, January 20th. We'll be back on Shark Tank for a new episode. Check it out. Oh, oh snap. Wow, okay. I didn't know that. That's new information. Awesome. We're going to tune in. Thanks, Thanks, Danny. Hey, thank you, guys.